How's everybody doing? It's good to see you. My name is Dan DeMay. I'm the executive pastor here at Jubilee, and it is an honor and privilege to uh, be able to give the third part of our selfie series. Today, we are going to be talking about self-image. Say self-image. Self-esteem. And self-worth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you um, want us to understand these things and how we are seen by you through your eyes. And so, Lord, I pray that you would communicate through me. I pray that I would decrease, you would increase, and that I would communicate and uh, the words that come out of my mouth would penetrate into the hearts of every single person listening, whether uh, here live or uh, watching at their home or while they're on vacation, whatever it may be, God, I pray that your words would penetrate and, and change our lives. God, we don't want it to just be another uh, church service. We want it to be something that we remember forever because it changes our life. And so, Lord, we, we pray these things and we invite your Holy Spirit to do these works of ministry, do the supernatural in this place uh, so that you would get glory. And we pray these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I am going to give a terrific message because I'm going to help people because I'm smart enough, I'm good enough, and doggone it, people like me. How's everybody doing? Hey, I, uh, I go back and maybe date myself a little bit, use a little Saturday Night Live skip, uh, Stuart Smalley there. You may or may not know that. Uh, but here's the truth. I think when we start talking about self-image and self-esteem, I think one of the things that we think of is that kind of a self-help where you start to profess over yourself good things. And that is not what this message is about. Because here's what I believe. We, we're, we're talking in this selfie series about moving from being a self-centered uh, person or having self-centered lives, moving into God-centered lives. And it's a journey. Nobody just overnight goes, okay, I was self-centered and now I'm God-centered. It's a process. And my heart and my hope is that you would leave a little more towards the God-centered than you were when you came in. And that tomorrow you'll be a little more God-centered and the next day you'll be a little more God-centered. And the, the beautiful thing about serving uh, our Lord Jesus is this, that his mercies and his grace are brand new every morning. So if you blew it today, tomorrow you can start brand new over again. That's a wonderful thing, right? I'm so glad that you guys are here. Thank you for being here. If you're online, we are glad that you are part of this. We pray that God would minister to you right where you're at. Um, and I'm super excited about giving this message because I, I think uh, that it's an important one that we understand. It's not about professing because I think if you profess, now it is a powerful tool. The Bible says that we have the words of life and death in our tongue. But here's the truth. If we just profess things like I'm smart enough and 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 I'm good enough, and doggone it, people like me. You know what? That leans to be more on the self-centered side of the spectrum, isn't it? When we profess God things and how God sees us, that's when we move over into God-centered professions. And that's really where I want to take you this morning as we go through this. So let's, let's define a few things first. Put in your notes there, self-image. Image is really simply this. Image is a picture or, or a, a piece of artwork. It's, it's something um, that, that it's exactly what you would think. It, it's just an image. And so my question to you this morning is simply this. What is your self-picture? When you stand at the mirror, you see so much more than just your face looking back at you, don't you? 
There's so many different thoughts. There's so many different things that go through your mind as you're looking at yourself and you see that image. What is your self picture? As I looked more into the word um, in the Latin, it actually comes image actually comes from the word in, or I'm not sure what Latin word, but it means this to imitate. And I'm just going to hit you right between the eyeballs right away. Let's just get started. Jump right in. Here's a take home for you. Your self image, your self picture, how you view yourself is a direct reflection to who you're trying to imitate. Your self-image is a direct reflection of who you're trying to imitate. Now, this will date me a little bit, but when I was in my upper teens and early 20s, uh, there was a saying, be like, be like, be like Mike. And it was about Michael Jordan because he was a, a basketball player that was just on the top of the thing. And everyone who played basketball wanted to imitate him and wanted to be like him. The problem with that is this. The people that we usually put in our eyes to imitate are so high above us that we can never obtain that, can we? And so what does that do to our self-image? Does it increase it or lower it? It lowers it. Who are you trying to imitate? Who are you trying to emulate? You know, there's only one person that we're supposed to imitate, and that is who? Jesus. Jesus Christ. And the great news about Jesus Christ is this. He wants us to uh, strive to be up here where he's at, but he understands the tension and he loves us right here where we're at. And he says, man, I love you and I think you're awesome right here, but I'm gonna steer you and I'm gonna bring you closer up here. And that's, again, that continuum, moving from self-centered to God-centered. Let's define esteem. Esteem means uh, basically a value or a worth. What, What is your worth? And it comes from the Latin word, which means to estimate or appraise. To estimate or appraise. So another um, note for you to just take home. Your self-esteem is a direct reflection of who you allow to estimate your life or who you allow to appraise your life. Now, let me just ask you, who are you allowing to appraise your life? Because there are several things in this life that we allow to appraise our lives. And and that's not even just people, but it can be things. For instance, when you step on the scale and the numbers spin around or however they do, and then they pop up, depending on what that number appraises you at, you step off and go, oh, I'm feeling good. Or, oh, I'm not doing very good. And it's amazing how that number will estimate or appraise our worth. And we're coming into a very, very bad season for this. If you allow the scale to appraise you, for me personally, between Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, forget about it. It's March or April before I stand on that thing and feel any good esteem coming off that. And that's because of New Year's resolution. So I, I mean, it's, it's crazy when we allow that kind of thing. What are you allowing appraise your life? Maybe it's a parent. And if you have parents that pushed value and, and spoke great worth over you and told you you are worthy and that you have great value, you should call them this afternoon and you should thank them for giving you a, a leg ahead in, in regards to your appraisal. But for a lot of us, now get this, for a lot of us, we have parents 
who maybe didn't understand what their value and worth is. And so they had a hard time communicating that to you. And so they said things like this, why can't you get that grade up? You're worthless, you're no good. Man, how come you always mess up? And it's amazing because when you allow your parent to appraise you, it can really hinder your esteem. So esteem means value or worth. The word self-worth for worth, if you look that up, it just means value. So there's a common theme here, and that pretty much is, what is your value? And the thing about value is this. When you don't understand the value of something, you almost certainly will mistreat it. We were talking about this as a teaching team, and um, man, as we brought this, this idea and the thought of what is your value um, and what is the value of things and, and how do you value things, um, all kinds of different things came out, but one of the best ones was Pastor John actually brought out, he watches the Antique Roadhouse show. Okay, now I've never seen it in my life, but he was telling me that at this one particular episode, there was this family that brought this mobile that actually was hanging on their front porch as a wind chime. And they bring it in and the guy goes, oh my goodness, this is one of the highest valuable things that we've had come in here. And after all the, the whole deal, he goes, this is gonna be appraised at about a million dollars. They had it hanging on their front porch. Just blowing in the wind, a million dollars. We laugh about that. But church, if you don't understand the value you have, you will mistreat it. And the interesting thing about it is you can mistreat it on either side of things. You can either totally underestimate your value or you can totally overestimate your value. And I've seen, and, and I'm sure you guys have all been around people that think they are just God's gift to creation and had nothing to do with God. And they're just, but they've overestimated. And what I mean by that is they're living on the self-centered side of the spectrum and not in the God-centered view of image and esteem and worth. See, church, we were all created to understand our worth. As a matter of fact, I want to show you a scripture. It's in Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Um, here's what I felt like the Lord really showed me about this scripture. Um, he wanted us to understand our image. He wanted us to understand our worth. Did you know, think about this for a second. We're the only creature on this planet that actually has the ability to comprehend our worth. Dogs don't understand their worth. Birds don't understand their worth. Cats whatever you want to say. They don't understand their worth. We are the only creation that our heavenly father created to understand and comprehend image and esteem and worth. And I think there's a, a, a misnomer out there that says, hey, you shouldn't really focus on your image or your esteem or all that. that. I don't believe that's true. I think God wanted us to know our esteem and our worth. He wanted us to know. We were wired and we were created to understand that. 
But ever since the fall, ever since the fall, it's been skewed and it's been misrepresented. And instead of seeing our image and our, and our worth through the eyes of the Lord, we see it through so many other things, don't we? So what is my heart for this weekend? My heart is that you would walk out of here today understanding how God sees you. Because here's what I believe the Lord told me. Until you understand how valuable you are, you will never be able to grab a hold of the purpose and plans you were created to do. Who get this? Because there's a lot of people listening to me right now seeking, what is the purpose I'm here? What is the plans that God has for me? Why was I created? Why am I on this earth? And you keep asking God for those things. And I believe what the Lord told me was this. They need to stop focusing on what and why they were here. And they need to start focusing on who they are. And when they understand and comprehend the image I have created in them, the esteem I want them to have, the worth that I want them to understand, when they get that, when they become that, the purposes and plans will just unfold naturally. Well, that's good right there. If you're seeking why you're here, maybe stop doing that and move over to who I am. Because I think you have to comprehend that first. You have to understand your value first. Then you can go and do the things you were created to do. So felt like the Lord wanted me to focus on, on value. And how, how do we define value? How does, how, how does value determine? And I have two things I want to share with you. It's not the only way value is established, but it's the two that I feel like the Lord wanted me to communicate. And, and the first one is this. You determine and you can find the value of something by the price that is paid for it. By the price that is paid. Uh, I think it's in your notes. It's definitely in my notes. Let me read this. In economy class, this is what I learned about value. Value is defined as this. What is the maximum amount of money someone is willing to pay for a good or service? So if someone's willing to pay a lot of money for this particular item or this service, then that item and service is incredibly valuable. If they're not willing to pay a lot of money, it loses its value. Anyone who has purchased a car in this room should understand this. You go to the dealership, you buy a car, it has a high value because you're willing to pay all this thing. And here's the funny thing, the second you drive it off the lot, the value goes, whoa! <laughs> Try to sell that car a week later for the same price you bought it. Nope. We should, we comprehend, we understand the economics of that. We live with it every single day. Here's my definition of it. What is someone willing to pay or give to obtain a certain thing? What is someone willing to pay or give to obtain a certain thing? All right, so now I want to shift over into your value. And I just simply want to ask you, who are you letting define your value? 
Because in this spectrum of self-centered living to God-centered living, let me give you a couple things about that. If you are allowing your flesh what you see in the mirror, or how about the world, what your parents see or what your boss sees or what teenagers, what your peers see, if you're allowing any of those influences to define your value, you are living on the self-centered side of the spectrum. On the God-centered side of the spectrum, if you're allowing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to determine your value, then you are moving over to the God-centered thing. And again, nobody goes from here to here all of a sudden in a day. You have to travel. It's a journey. It's a process. But here, again, is my hope that you will move and you'll walk towards that God-centered view of yourself. We live in a world that is screaming out and trying to define your value and your purpose and, and, and your worth all over the place. I've got two teenagers and I can see it almost on an everyday basis. Peers trying to define their value, them trying to obtain their value. It's amazing how we go out and we try to find our value from other human beings or other things on this planet. How are you doing on the spectrum? Who's defining your value? I want to share a few scriptures with you. Because here's the thing that we have to understand. Our value has to come from the Lord. See, he's the one that created us. The Bible says that before we even were known, he knew us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In our mother's womb, he knits us together. And if you're an artist at all, maybe your perception gets kind of skewed. And I think maybe we all have this, this thought, but uh, my daughter from time to time will draw a picture. And if she doesn't like it, she'll take it and she'll crunch it up and throw it away. And I think some of you think that you're God's crunched up paper thrown away, that he messed up. But here's the truth. God is a perfect God. And his creation is perfect. Right. Well, Pastor Dan, I'm not perfect. I know he made you that way. Why did he make you with flaws? I don't know. Maybe he wants you to touch somebody else that has the same flaw. I don't know. But here's what I know. You were created the way that you were created by the creator in perfection. And the person you are with all of the good strengths and all the weaknesses, God made you just that way. That's a good place for an amen. amen. So what does he think about you? I want to show you a few scriptures. Ooh, before I do this, though, this is not for your teenager. This is not for your parent. This is not for your spouse. This is not for the person on the right or the left. Oh, man, I hope they're hearing this. This is for you. As I read these scriptures... I want you to only be thinking about you. What is your value? John 3.16 says this, For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. God so loved you, he gave his one and only son. Boy, if you could just get that and live in that truth every single day, 
It would change your life. He so loved you, he gave his one and only son. How about this one? Colossians 2, 13 and 14. God made you alive with Christ. So there's the son he gave. Jesus, he forgave us all our sins. Okay, I'm going to stop real quick. This is a small little word, but it's huge. He forgave us all our sins. Well, Pastor Dan, you don't know what I did this morning. I, I, do, I, don't, I don't know what you did, but I do know this covers it. He forgave us all our sins. Every single one of them. Man, that is good news. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. What's your value? Well, God so values you, he gave his son. Jesus so values you, he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. This one's not in your notes, but in Revelation chapter five, you, talking about Jesus, you were slain, and with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and a priest to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. That's you. Jesus, God, sorry, let me, let me go back. The heavenly father so valued you that he sent his son. Jesus so valued you that he let himself be nailed to a cross so that his blood would purchase you. You wanna know how valuable you are? Jesus gave his life. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. He allowed his life to be taken so that you could be forgiven and so that you could be bought, so that you could have eternal life. And the beauty part, beautiful part about that is that then you become a priest to serve God and you get to reign on this earth. Do you know that this, this earth intent that we have right now, it's just a blink of an eye. There's a whole... I don't know where, where I'm going. For somebody who needs to hear this, there's a whole nother message about heaven, about the fact that there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. Jerusalem's going to fall out of the sky. It's 1,400 miles wide by 1,400 miles long by 1,400 miles high. I don't even know how that looks. But it says that you and I as believers are going to help God reign right here on earth. Dude, that's awesome. You have great value. Oh, get this. I, I hope you're getting it. I, Here's the problem. Here's the problem with this message. I can give you all this head knowledge and you probably already have heard something similar to this. But the truth is, it, it's gotta come from head knowledge, it's gotta go from head knowledge to belief. Do you believe it? Because when you believe it, you walk it out. When you believe it, you say it over yourself. When you believe it, you look in the mirror and go, I'm God's favorite. This is gonna be a good day. You don't believe all the junk that the world's telling you. You have great worth. Jesus paid the ultimate price. Ultimately, the heavenly father, the one who created you, paid the ultimate price. Okay, if you don't get your value from that, let's, let's come up with a different way to determine value. Again, these aren't the only two things, but the two that I felt like the Lord wanted me to share. First one is the price paid. The second one, is it worth stealing? 
Is it worth stealing? Let me, let me give you a good example of this. Um, I took a selfie by uh, my 1995 Saturn SC2. <laughs> now, it's been a really good car for me. It's been a terrific car. It's over 220,000 miles. Uh, it's been awesome. Uh, but here's the funny thing about this. Let me tell you about this car. This car, whether it's in my driveway or in the parking lot at work or um, in front of Target or whatever, this car always has the keys in it. I know you're thinking, that's, that's nuts, but nobody cares about this car. <laughs> and I can leave the keys in it, and it has never gone anywhere. <laughs> no one's ever taken it. Now, if I took a 2014 Audi A4 and I put the keys in that, how long does that stay in the Target parking lot? Three seconds. Three seconds. Why? Because it has value. value. Church, the Bible says we have an enemy. Let me read a few scriptures about this enemy. And let me tie it all together here. John 10.10 says this, the thief, I'm talking about our enemy, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, this word steal, he's only gonna try to steal things that have great value. Next verse, 1 Peter 5, 8. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Who's he trying to devour? He's trying to devour people who have value. Next one, John 8, 44. He's, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees, uh, Jesus tells them, you are operating in the spirit of your father, Satan. And then he begins to describe who Satan is. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. What's the common theme there? Lies. Lies. The only thing that our enemy, the thief, has to steal our life away is lies. There's not a single one of us that is exempt from this. See, God created every single one of us. The Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We have a plan and a purpose. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we have so many plans and purposes we couldn't even fathom or even uh, imagine all that God has for us. And the Lord knows that and the enemy knows that. And the enemy wants to come and steal your life. Because if he can get you to believe your low self-image, low self-esteem, and low self-worth, guess what? You become no good for the kingdom of God. Are you getting this? You determine value by something that's worth having the price paid for it. You also can determine it by if it's worth stealing. And the enemy says you're worth stealing. As a matter of fact, the greatest victory the enemy could have... Listen to me in this. The greatest victory the enemy could have is if he could convince you through lies that you should take your life. We live in a world and a society and we live in a community right now. If you have teenagers, you know this to be true. The spirit of suicide is running rampant right now. I've heard of more suicides 
in the recent past than I ever have previous to that. The enemy would love to steal your life to the point that you would take it. And so if you are listening to me right now and you are having those thoughts, I want you to understand something. The reason the enemy is telling you those things, the reason the enemy is giving those lies to you is because you have an incredible value. There is something that God created in you. God has put you together. He's got a purpose and a plan that goes beyond your wildest imaginations. And the enemy knows it and he's doing everything he can to steal it because he doesn't want you to get over here. Because if you get over here, you're gonna do him, the enemy, great damage. And so if you're having those thoughts, please go to the Lord and ask him how he sees you. Let the Holy Spirit begin to just penetrate and infiltrate and give you the truth instead of the liar. That's his native language. Find somebody, a pastor or a friend that can open up the Bible to you and show you your worth because the Bible is the book of value. It tells you what you're worth. And I have no doubt that this weekend there are people with those thoughts. Understand the reason you have those thoughts is because of how valuable you are. And you're worth stealing. And so the enemy's trying to take you out. The Bible says that we are to resist the devil and he must flee. Resist him. Profess the things that the Lord speaks over you, which is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you are his creation. Pastor Mark is gonna get up here in just a little bit. Man, he's got such a great word. I want you to profess that word over your heart and over your life. So let me conclude by saying this. I believe with all of my heart that the reason you're here today, the reason you're listening to me right now is because in some way, you want to learn something. You want to get some kind of a revelation to bring God more glory. That you want to use your life to give glory to God. The mistake that we make is we go, I want to give glory to God. So here's what I'm going to go do. And as we go do things, we leave God behind. If you want to bring God glory, believe this message. What is this message? That your self-esteem, your self-image, and your self-worth is of great importance to God. And he thinks you're awesome. He thinks you're incredible. You're his favorite. Just wake up in the morning and say that over yourself. You, it's hard to do because you know all your hidden flaws. But that's not how God sees you. God sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ that paid for you so that you can go, I'm his favorite. I'm his favorite. All right, so how do we do this? Because as Pastor John will say from time to time, he'll say, <laughs> he'll go, if you want to be good and you try to go be good in your flesh, you won't make it out of this parking lot because <laughs> we can't do that. You can't go stand in a mirror and go, I'm good enough, I'm good enough, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I'm smart enough. It, it doesn't work that way. Here's what you have to do. You have to have a walking, talking relationship with the Lord. It's the only way to do it. You have to have a walking, talking relationship with the Lord. I am not talking about religion 
church. If you are here today because it's your religious duty, that's not gonna get you any closer to a good self-esteem, self-image, self-worth than when you, before you got here. You should be here because you wanna learn something more about your Lord and Savior so that you can have a deeper and more intimate walk with him. You know what the biggest hindrance to a walking, talking relationship with the Lord is? Religion. Rules and regulations set up by men and women. It hinders us from actually walking and talking with God. You know, the interesting thing is we get this in marriage. I have a relationship, a walking, talking relationship with my wife, and I don't have to ask her where I stand because I know because I'm in a relationship with her. And do you know that if you're in a walking, talking relationship with Jesus Christ, here's the beautiful part, your self-esteem, your self-image, your self-worth will come right in line with how he sees it because you're in a walking, talking relationship with him. It's what you do. And the beauty about that is if you place yourself in that relationship, it's God's responsibility to tell you who you are in him. You don't have to drum it up. You don't have to make things up. He will speak it right over you. And then you just walk in those things. And you don't let the world determine or define your value. You let God define your value. And the beautiful part about that is when you do that, you don't have to go evangelize to the world. The world will be attracted to you like metal to magnet because they're gonna see, wow, what, what is different about you? you? You're not influenced by your peers. You're not influenced by the boss. You're not influenced by your parents or your kids. Or your, you're not influenced by anyone. That's right. I get my value from God and that's it. And they're gonna look at you and go, how do you do that? Tell me. And you get to just evangelize Jesus Christ right there just because you understand who you are in him and it's attractive to them. It's attractive to them. So here's how we're going to close. I'm going to have the worship team come on up, and they're going to um, they're going to sing a song. And during that song, I want you to remain in your seats. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak our value. And so. Maybe the Holy Spirit will come in and, and tell you that you're beautiful or maybe tell you that you are worth the price that he paid or maybe he'll tell you that you can be a success, that he is organizing and structuring your life. He, whatever it may be that God wants to come in, the truth that he wants to give to you. Because uh, Pastor Mark is gonna get up in just a little bit and, and give different definitions of, of how the world defines value. But the truth is, man, we've got to hear it from the Lord. Now, the interesting thing about that is that um, when we ask the Lord, he'll usually very quickly tell us how he feels about us. And then the enemy will come and try to steal that away. It goes something like this. Lord, who am I in you? You're beautiful, but not today. God, the enemy stealing away. God, who am I? Am I, who am I to you? You're my favorite, but not, because, not anymore because of what you did yesterday. It, it happens so fast and then we get clouded and then we get confused in our brain and we go, man, we're not hearing from God. You know, the truth is the enemy, the only thing he has is lies. And so when the enemy comes in and tries to snatch that truth out, I, the words I'm speaking right now, the enemy's trying to come in and steal. We gotta be aware of that. There's a section of scripture that says that we are not to be unaware of the schemes of the enemy. Well, guess what? The scheme of the enemy is just lies. 
It's lies. And so maybe God wants to reveal to you what the lie is. And then in just a minute, we're going to listen to this song. We're going to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. And then Pastor Marks is going to get up. He's got a really powerful word. And then we're going to ask you to do something very bold because the power of our words have great life and death. And I believe that going from knowledge into belief, it takes an act of profession. And he's going to actually ask you to stand up and profess something. And then we're going to end with just a powerful time of worship. But we need you to participate in that. So right now, the first step is let's just go before the Lord and ask him to speak to us. So Heavenly Father, speak to us during this song. I pray that you would give us an understanding of our value, that you would speak to us, your heart for us, how you view us, the worth that we have. God, we know that you paid the ultimate price for us. We know that the enemy is trying to steal that away. But on an individual case-by-case basis, God, I pray that you would make that real to every person listening to me right now. Maybe it's the lie of the enemy that he's trying to tell us. God, reveal what that lie is and help us to, uh, to see that right now. Maybe for the first time, help us to understand what that lie is. Lord, whatever it is, speak to our minds, speak to our hearts, and help us to be able to decipher your voice from the lie of the enemy that tries to steal that away. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.
We look at the possessions and the things that we have around us we assess a value to them and that value is based upon a dollar amount of how much somebody would be willing to pay for that thing and there's some things that you know we go through spring cleaning in our homes and whatnot and we determine that there's certain things that are just not very valuable they just don't really have much value and so we toss those things out throw them to the side and just say yeah it's worthy of being thrown out then we got those things that we're you know, we, we hope to have some kind of a value, so we throw them into a garage sale and we slap a 25 cent or a 50 cent or a $1 sticker on them and hope for the best, right? Maybe somebody else will see some value in these things as I try to offload them on them. And then you kind of move up the ranks and you find things that are of, of great value. You know, you find things like vehicles or you find things like houses or maybe even things that aren't possessions that you initially purchased, things like friends or family or children. But the very height, the very top of the list are things that you find that you would label as priceless. And I wrote down what I felt like a priceless item is, and it's something of such great value that it's truly unable to be sold because there's not enough that could be given to pay for it. Not enough money, not enough time, not enough care, not enough attention. Something that's priceless is something that you hold on to so greatly because the reality is, is no matter what anybody were willing to give you, it wouldn't be enough to pay for what that item is. Well, I got great news for everybody that sits here in this room at this time, everybody that listens to God, there is nothing more valuable to Him than you. He sees you as His priceless possession. He sees you as worth everything. He sees you as someone who he was willing to give his son for. You see, we have these false appraisers in this world. There's the enemy of our soul who's constantly trying to utter lies, to whisper lies, false appraisals about our worth and our value to us in our ears. And many times we believe them. We take those things and we believe them and we live them out as if they're true. And this world is truly, it's a false appraiser of our value as well. This world and popular media and the TV and the magazines and the things that we see and the things that we hear and the things that we look at to try to define our value are things that are truly giving us an appraisal, but it's not one that's legitimate. 
You know, this world and the enemy of our souls is constantly trying to give us these false appraisals. It's trying to cheapen our worth and cheapen our value. You see, your value is not determined by your paycheck. And your value is not determined by your IQ. It's not determined by your weight. It's not determined by your success. It's also not determined, thank God, by our failures. It's not determined by your bank account. It's not determined by what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you go home to. It's not determined by your social circle and it's not determined by your looks. It's not determined by your past and it's not determined by anything of this world. Your value is not found in those things. Your worth is not found in anything that you can touch or that you can feel or that you can purchase. Your value is found in the price that was already paid for you and that price was Jesus. You see, God looks at you and he sees you as priceless. He sees you as worth his son. He sees you as his perfect, holy being that he has created. God has already determined your value and now you have to look at him as the true appraiser of your life and you have to hold on to what he has already spoken about you and you have to toss the lies of this world and the lies of this, this, this enemies and you need to take those false appraisals and you need to throw them out the door and you need to believe and hold on to what God has said about you. So what is God saying? What is God saying about you? I was raised in church, and one thing that I learned, and that I still hold on to and still believe this day, is that the enemy, that Satan, has no ability to know what we're thinking, but he has every ability to know what we're saying. And sometimes, even if we sit here and we think these things, it's time for us to take charge of our lives, to speak with our mouths what God says about us, to stop thinking and stop believing and stop speaking what this world or what the enemy of this world and our souls may say about us. And we say, I am valuable. I am priceless. I am redeemed. I am purchased by the blood of Jesus. And in his eyes, I am perfect. I am his child. I am because he says I am. So here's what we're going to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 4.13 says, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak. Church, are you ready to speak it out? Are you ready to believe, not just in your heart or in your mind, but willing to say with your mouth, Devil, I stand on your head and I will proclaim the truth of who God says I am. You guys want to do that? On the count of three, we're going to rise to our feet. We're going to speak those things. One, two, three. are his chosen possession and you are priceless believe it and let's worship together